Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity uh, to record this episode as this will conclude Season 1 of Weathering the Storm. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for your constant encouragement, for your prayers, or for the amazing support that I've received. I thank you for liking this podcast, for subscribing to it, for sharing it uh, with friends and family members and co-workers. It's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time, and so just very thankful uh, to be able to do this. And, and God can truly use us in so many ways, and I'm very thankful uh to, to play a small part uh, in doing this, and, and I'm thankful for this tool. God has, has really blessed us with these wonderful tools to use. If we will use them properly, they can certainly be used to His glory and for the spreading of the gospel. And so I'm very thankful for this podcast, for this opportunity. I thank you for listening, because without you, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't <laughs> be as uh, beneficial but knowing that there are those of you who are listening and sharing it, it just makes it so wonderful to know that the Word of God is, is getting broadcasted out there. So very thankful for you and for this opportunity. Of course, it is my goal to make this podcast better in the future. And so any comments or suggestions you may have will be greatly appreciated. And I would certainly welcome those comments, again, that we can make this better. It is my goal to take a few months and regroup and to get a plan in order for season two i do want to have guests on the show in season two and so uh, get some individuals to talk about some of the storms that they faced in life and hopefully that will help us as we weather the storm and so please be praying for this effort uh, please continue to pray for my wife Brittany. she's uh, 35 weeks pregnant with twins and of course with this coronavirus pandemic going on we're all a little bit anxious but we trust that god will see us through uh, but we do covet your prayers for that. And as you, as you can guess, I'm going to be pretty busy with four small children at home. And so uh, just very thankful that we've been able to spend this time together on this podcast. And I'm thankful for this final series on religious confusion. I had this idea in mind for a while, and, and I wanted to save it to the end of the season. It's something I'm very passionate about. It's something that's very important for us to, to know. Uh, because when it comes to your soul... And where you're going to spend eternity. Is there anything more important than that? And so I hope you're listening today with an open Bible, an open mind. And I look forward to our study together. As we conclude our season of one of this show, but also our series on weathering the storm of religious confusion. In part one, we discussed authority. And in part two, we discussed the one church. But we close it all out by asking and answering the greatest question a man or a woman can ever ask. What must I do to be saved? You know, in our world today, there are many different answers given to this one question. Say this prayer. Ask Jesus into your heart. Repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ. Come to the altar. Just have faith. You don't have to do anything. Only 144,000 will be in heaven. Only the elect. You're either chosen or you're not. You have no choice where you're going to spend eternity. Everybody will be saved in the end. Friends, you can see from just these few quotes that 
The world is, is certainly confused. But you know what? At the end of the day, we don't have to be confused because the Bible gives a very clear answer to this most important question. In Matthew chapter 7, it's recorded for us the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uh, preached a phenomenal sermon and the people were astonished at his doctrine. They had never heard someone teach like this. But in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, you do have a choice. He said, enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way, which leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and only few will find it. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. And so this idea that everyone is going to be saved no matter what you do, Jesus refutes that, doesn't he? He says, you have a choice. You can either take this easy path that everyone takes that's going to lead to destruction, or you can take this difficult path, which will lead to life eternal. A few verses later in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do wonderful works in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Look at all the wonderful things we did. And then he will say to them, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. I never knew you. So many on the day of judgment will say, Lord, was I not religious? Was I not sincere? Did I not go to every service? The key is found in the phrase, Those who do the will of the Father in heaven. Dear friend, if you want to go to heaven, you must, you must do the will of the Father. And that doesn't come from my lips. That comes from Jesus' lips. Again, that text is Matthew 7, 21. We find in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, that Jesus is coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and those who obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Those who do not obey the gospel, those who do not submit to God's will will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And so friends, this is so important. This is so serious. And I hope that you will search within your soul, look within your heart, and ask yourself, am I saved? Have I done what the Bible says to do? Have I done the will of the Father? Please listen as we hear what God has to say regarding this question. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, Hebrews 5, 8 and 9. Why not go to the source? Why not go to him? Sadly, many today want to go to men, but those men didn't die for them on the cross. Those men did not author eternal salvation. Jesus did. Why not go to the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me, John fourteen six. We want to go to the one who has all authority, Matthew twenty eight eighteen, the one whose words will judge us in the last day, John twelve forty eight. Let's make sure we know the answer, the right answer, the biblical answer to this question. The first step one must take if he or she wants to be saved is that they need to realize that they're lost. You can't be saved if you're not lost. I'd like to use an illustration. Two young boys were out on a fishing trip. 
The weather was perfect, and so they didn't see the need in wearing life preservers. But sadly, a storm arose, and one of the young men was thrown overboard. And sadly, he did not know how to swim. And so his friend rushed, and he grabbed a life preserver, and he threw it in the water in hopes that his friend would grab it, but his friend did not make it, and he drowned. I want to ask you something. Why did that young man drown? You might be saying, well, he didn't grab the life preserver, and you'd be right. Or he didn't know how to swim, and you'd be right. But ultimately, the reason why he drowned was because he was in the water. People are going to be lost eternally because they're in sin. And so the most important thing to realize as you start this journey is to see where you're at. You're either in Christ or you're outside of Christ. You're either saved or you're lost. There's no middle ground. And so if you're in sin, you must realize that before you can ever get out of it. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans three twenty three. James says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. James 1, 13 and following. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. And so if we do not handle the sin problem God's way, friend, listen to me, we will be lost eternally. And so once one realizes he or she is lost, then they must have the desire to be saved. Upon this realization, they must then hear how to be saved. They must hear the truth. Jesus said, No one comes to me except my Father which has sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned the Father comes unto me. John six forty four and 45. You see, Christianity is a taught religion. You must hear and you must learn. We find in Romans 10, beginning in verse 13, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then Paul says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 13 through 17. You see, you must have faith to be saved. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. You must have faith if you want to be saved. But friend, we're not saved by faith alone. Let's keep going. Once one realizes he or she is lost, they must have a desire to be saved. Once they hear the truth, once they have faith, then he or she must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John three sixteen and 17. Neither is there salvation in any other. For only in the name of Jesus Christ can one obtain salvation. Acts four twelve. Salvation is in 
Christ. 2 Timothy 2.10. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. Therefore, you must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. John 8.24. And so one must realize he or she is lost, that they will, they will desire to be saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And specifically, they have faith. They believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But if you believe that, you will obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John fourteen fifteen. If we truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and we truly believe that he died on the cross for us, and we truly believe that he has all authority, friends, we will do what he says. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Luke six forty six. Therefore, it's not faith alone. True biblical faith is trust conjoined with obedience. It's a faith which moves to obedience. You hear what God says, you believe what God says, and you obey him. And so we continue on. One must hear the truth. One must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But then after one hears and believes, then he or she must repent. Repentance is defined as a change of mind that brings about a change of life. One of the best examples in all of Scripture of repentance is found in Matthew 21, 28-32. Here we have the parable of two sons. And the father came and said, Son, go work in my vineyard today. And so one son came to him and said, Okay, father, I will not go. But then afterward, he repented and he went. The other son came and said, Yes, sir, I'll go right now. But then he didn't. Jesus said, Which one of these actually did the will of the Father? Obviously, the one who said, I will not go. But then he repented. And then he went. And so you see repentance being that change of mind. You realize that you're doing wrong. You realize you're going in the wrong direction. And so repentance is realizing that and making the change that you need to make. I like to use the illustration of driving down the road. You've passed your destination and you realize you've done wrong. You have to stop your car. But if you just stop your car and keep going the same direction, will you ever reach your destination? No. You have to stop and you have to turn your car around and you have to start going in the right direction if you ever want to reach your destination. And that is repentance. Repentance is absolutely essential to salvation. Someone says, well, all you have to do is believe. Wait a minute. You have to repent. Do you not? Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. In Acts 17 and verse 30, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Therefore, repentance is also essential to salvation. When you realize that you are wrong, you have to stop doing the wrong and start doing the right. Repentance is necessary if you want to be saved. Upon hearing, believing, and repenting of sins, then one must confess with the mouth the deity of Christ. We find in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that confession with the mouth, that Jesus is the Christ, confession is made unto salvation. We read in Acts 8 and verse 37, the Ethiopian eunuch. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Acts 8, 37. That is the most important statement you'll ever make. The 10 most important words in, in the English language. And so we've noticed that for one to be saved, he or she must realize they're lost, 
They must have the desire to be saved. They must hear Romans 10, 17. They must believe John 8, 24. They must repent, Acts 17, 30. And we've just noticed they must confess with the mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so, friend, I want to ask you something. Does faith alone save you? Does repentance alone save you? Does confession alone save you? Does grace alone save you? Does hope alone save you? You see, none of these alone save you. Now, true, it is not by works of merit that we are saved. Ephesians 2, 5 through 8, as well as Titus 3, 5. There's nothing we can ever do to earn our salvation. But dear friend, make no mistake about it. There are conditions that we must meet if we want to be saved. We are to respond with an obedient faith to what God has said. Therefore, we come to the culminating act, which is baptism into Christ. For centuries, preachers and teachers throughout the religious world have have done uh, exegetical gymnastics, going to the Word of God and, and trying to twist it to say, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Dear friend, let's let the Bible speak. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who doesn't believe shall be condemned. He's condemned already because we've noticed you must believe, John 8, 24. But Jesus said he must believe and be baptized. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he will not enter the kingdom of God, John 3, 5. Couple John 3, 5 with Titus 3, 5. You must be baptized if you want to be saved. Again, Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. If you want to have your sins forgiven, you want to have your sins washed away, you must get into Christ. How does one do that? Galatians 3.27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You know, Jesus shed his blood in his death. That's what we find in John 19, 34. The centurion pierced his side and the two elements of life came forth, blood and water. Therefore, if you want to access the blood of Christ, you must get into the water. That's what we find in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect sinless life, but then he died on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. In like manner, for one to obey the gospel, the good news about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he or she must die to sin, be buried with Christ in a water grave of baptism to rise and walk in newness of life. Again, that's Romans 6, 3 through 6. We read in Colossians 2, 12, one is buried with Christ in baptism, not sprinkling, not pouring, buried, immersion. We find in Acts twenty two sixteen. Ananias told Saul of Tarsus, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You know, we noticed earlier in Romans ten thirteen that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do we do that? Couple Romans ten thirteen with Acts twenty two sixteen, you have your answer. Obedience to the gospel is how you do that. Finally we find in first Peter three twenty one that baptism does now also save us. Again, that's 1 Peter 3, 21. And friends, these are just a handful of passages which bring out the truth that baptism is essential to salvation. I want to challenge you to do something. I want you to go to your Bible. 
after this episode has completed, and I want you to go through the book of Acts. I want you to look at every conversion, starting in Acts chapter 2, and see what they did. And I want to give you this formula, and I want you to go through and see if this formula is found each time. The gospel is preached. The gospel is received. The gospel is obeyed. Friends, in every conversion account in the book of Acts, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 16, Acts 18, every chapter that you read about these conversions, it's the same thing. And dear friend, it's the same thing today. You must hear the gospel. You must believe it. And you must obey it if you want to be saved. Friends, this is how the Bible answers the question, what must I do to be saved? I want to ask you a question now. Who will you listen to? Will you listen to someone who cannot offer salvation? Or will you listen to the one who is the author of salvation? The one who paid the price for you on the cross? The only one who can lead you to heaven? Have you done these things that we've noticed from the Word of God? You may be listening and realize that what you did to be saved, what someone told you you did to be saved, and what the Bible says are are two different things. You realize right now that you're lost. But you also realize that you want to be saved. You don't want to question it. We have discussed what the Bible says. Now you have to decide what you will do with it. Dear friend, if you're listening to this and you'd like to study further, please contact me. Please contact me. I would love to study with you. I would love to open up the Word of God and go through these passages at your pace. I would love for us to sit and and look at what God says about this because it's too important. It's too important to be wrong. Eternity is too wrong, too long to be wrong. We want to make sure that we have it right. And friend, let me say this too. I do not have the answers. And I'm not trying to tell you that I'm right and you're wrong. I'm not trying to win an argument. I don't have the answers. God's Word has the answers. God's Word is always right. And it is my plea, it is my prayer, it is my aim, it is my hope that we will all see what the Bible says and that we will obey. It's not about who is right, but what is right. I hope that this series has been helpful for you on religious confusion. We've studied authority, the one church, and salvation. And in all three of these episodes, we've gone to the Word of God. And I certainly hope you will uh, go to the Scriptures and make sure that everything that has been said is backed up with book, chapter, and verse. Because it's all about what God has to say. It has nothing to do with me. The power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message. But I hope this series has been helpful for you. I hope that this season of weathering the storm has helped you in some way to draw nearer to God. And I hope and pray that if your heart is not right with God, You will trust and obey before it's too late. Thank you so much, and may God bless you as you weather the storm.